spark the conversation. Welcome to the Spark the Conversation podcast in partnership with Gonjapreneur.com. I'm your host, Bianca Green. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Um, I have the pleasure of sitting down in our Emerald Cup series with uh, a dear friend and fellow drug war veteran, uh, Sabrina Fendrick, who works at Ber- Berkeley Patients Group as the Director of Government Affairs. Um, and prior to her work at BPG, she spent seven years at the Washington, D.C.-based uh, Normal National Organization of the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Uh, in 2010, Sabrina founded Normal Women's Alliance, which I think was you know, a huge stepping stone to females coming out of the closet as consumers, advocates, and entrepreneurs. Um, and it really helped, uh, you know, solidify that we were a part of the movement. And that was in 2010. Um, she also did the first nationwide women's outreach organization in the cannabis space and was a founding advisor for Women Grow, which uh, a lot of women entrepreneurs are very familiar with Women Grow. She's a member of Students for Sensible Drug Policy Advisory Council, and she sits on the Marijuana Majority Advisory Board and is a member of the Council of Responsible Cannabis Policies National Packaging and Labeling Standards Committee. So as a consumer, you know, we get our medicine and we, we, we buy it, but there's a lot of behind the scenes that go into actualizing, you know, how the processes go down. And Sabrina's been a huge integral part of you know not only the advocacy side of it but the industry building side of it so i'm excited um you know for for you guys to hear our conversation because she's an overall badass um really dedicated obviously to the movement and a very very dear friend Hi, this is Bianca Green. I'm here at the Emerald Cup Live with Sabrina, who is the Director of Government Affairs for Berkeley Patients Group. Welcome, Sabrina. Thank you for having me. I love you, first of all. That is very true. I love true. you, too. Thank you. <laughs> um, but, you know, you have been a female advocate um, in this crazy movement for a lot of years. Um, I would really love to give our audience some of your background so that they know kind of what a badass I'm sitting talking oh. to right now. So why don't you tell us how you got into drug policy reform? Well, um, initially, initially, I had an interaction with law enforcement in college in Virginia, and that's sort of what really turned me on to understanding why is this illegal in the first place, and I started researching, and the more I researched, the angrier I got, and I was just like, this is the most fucked up shit ever. Yeah. I don't know if we're allowed to curse. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, especially if you're an advocate yeah, in okay. drug policy reform. Okay, you need good, to, it's I almost curse a like lot. <laughs> you need to curse, right? Yeah. I'm in the culture high. I'm in four scenes, and I say "fuck" in three. Okay, oh, okay. so yeah. sometimes it gets the point across. It's, it's your <laughs> emphasis. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So I started. Um, I changed my senior thesis in college, my senior year, from this like foreign affairs analysis to the history of marijuana prohibition and the evolution of government-sponsored reefer madness propaganda from the beginning of it being illegal up until modern day and how they, you know, before it was sort of like marijuana makes you crazy and rape women and just all this insane shit and then it goes to... (laughs) Literally insane shit. Literally insane shit. 
and like, oh, marijuana just makes you lazy and lethargic and oh, it's a gateway drug and just how they keep changing it with like what the public will buy. So I was just lucky enough to be from DC. So I moved home after college and MPP is actually the first place I worked. I was really? a temp. I, I know. I yeah. I was a temp at MPP. Okay. I stuffed envelopes. Awesome. I was 22, 23 years old. Which for some people old. who don't know, MPP is a marijuana policy project. Mm -hmm. Which is basically is it a project of Drug Policy Alliance? No. No. It's a affiliate. No. They oh. just work together. Okay. It's um no, it's independent. Okay. Yeah. And that was in like 2008, in the beginning, early spring of 2008, and. Um, I saw that Normal, I've actually randomly found it on Craigslist that Normal was hiring. So I applied for a job at Normal and they actually, the position I ended up getting wasn't one they were hiring for. Really? They just created a new position for me. That's awesome. Which was uh, assistant to the executive director, Alan St. Pierre. Wow. Yeah. And so that's how I started 22, I think 23. It was right after my 23rd birthday. Wow. And, um, yeah, I forget you're so young. Not, <laughs> not because you don't look it, but <laughs> I just, yeah. It's been, that was a long time. It was almost 10 years ago yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. You know, wow. it was a really long time. Bush was still president. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. how long, it was okay, the primary, but okay. it was like Bush was still president. I mean, you weren't talking about legalizing pot. There, nobody was no, having that it conversation. Was... It was just stop arresting people. Nobody yeah. could have imagined back then that like, this is where we would be now. Sure. And you would have this many states with like legalized marijuana for adult use. It's incredible how yeah. fast it happened. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, what do you think played into that? I think it was a variety of things. I think just the, um, I think the internet actually had a lot to do with it. I think people and social media, actually Facebook and all of those sort of online organizing tools created a place for all of these people that had were like-minded in this issue were able to sort of come together on find each other in these networks and these forums and communicate and spread information and mm -hmm. so you were actually for the first time able to really challenge the the traditional media because all that they put out there was no real like legitimate articles it was just sort of jokey stonery it was just something you would laugh at like yeah. oh these stone so obama when he first came into office started this sort of we the people um campaign it was a campaign where it was on their website and it was you know you would send in your questions you could ask him anything and then people would vote the questions up and the top questions were he would answer them in a public forum and so he did it on YouTube, he did one with like CNN, and he did a variety of them. And pretty much every single time, the top question was, will you legalize marijuana? Yeah, I and remember that. this is the that. very beginning, and this was right when I started the normal Facebook page. Mm -hmm. And it was something I pushed really, really hard and was like, share with everybody, like this is the only way we can actually like get them to say something about it. And one or two times they actually like took it out, they said it was inappropriate. It was an inappropriate question, which is, I mean, and now when you have Obama saying that, like, marijuana is, is coming, is legitimate, it should be treated like alcohol, just to see how far we've come from that. Yeah. But in that, such a short amount of time, too. such a short amount of time. It's one of the fastest revolutions, yeah. social justice reform revolutions that has ever really happened. Yeah. Well, at least in its, like, what I think is coming to fruition, I hope, but it's actually been going on for 50 years. Sure, yeah. But it's like, now it's just speeding up like light speed. It was, yeah. you know, very slow and incremental and with its hiccups and challenges, you know, yeah. throughout the years. And who knows what's going to happen now with Trump and Sessions and all of that. I mean, that's just the new, like... <laughs> No, you know, activists have never had it easy, and so it's like, you know, it's just more of, of you know, making sure that we find the stability and security and legitimization yeah. to 
keep on keeping on and you know I've always when people get too celebratory I'm like I appreciate your enthusiasm and I I'm all about celebrating but I've seen people believe that uh, cannabis legalization has been imminent in the past you know mm -hmm. um, my uncle and you know some of the the partnerships that he had people really believed that some of the times were changing and tell me about in the 60s and I don't know if this is a rumor or if this is a reality but somebody recently told me that in the 60s marijuana was legalized for like three years and yeah yeah federally it, yeah I've never heard that um, okay so we need to look into that yeah. because I, it was a very credited source and I think that I, I need to find out what that information is but anyway so and then you know they the they yeah they um, you know went back and and you know went put it back into prohibition I but, don't think so okay. I mean I'm not sure but I'm I feel like I would know that yeah you would that's why I asked you yeah. <laughs> but you know you never know so I, I, I'll definitely see if I can't find because the uh, Nixon Commission was in the early 70s yeah but and that was after you know I mean the early 60s was early 60s I yeah just a kind of a different time anyway um, you know I I think that I've just seen so many opportunities where people thought it was a shoo-in mm -hmm. just you know the same way some people thought Hillary was a shoo-in and didn't even you know bother voting yet mm -hmm. there's all different things that people don't take responsibility for you know and from my perspective what I do with spark conversation is try to be make consumers advocates mm -hmm. you know what do you think that people can do to get more involved from a uh, consumer advocacy perspective you know being that you uh, handled government affairs like what can people mm -hmm. actually do to become more active um, in advocating for their freedom to consume the plant and have mm -hmm. access to it those are really big deals they are they are and I've definitely I've got that question a lot and um, I think there's different layers to it there's you know it, it depends on so many factors you know your time ability you know what you're willing to how far you're willing to put yourself out there how publicly you're willing to put yourself out there but even down to like the the basic like person who who doesn't have the capacity to like join a local organization or go to protests or write letters to the editor they can still the most important thing and the easiest thing is to just talk to your friends and family yeah, I mean honestly I that is really what has I think been a huge part of what's changed uh, the public's perspective on marijuana legalization because that was that was a message that we pushed online yeah. talk to your friends and talk to your family change the everybody stigma. loves somebody who smokes marijuana yeah and that person has a responsibility to educate those people around them about how important it is that this is you know a social justice a criminal justice issue and they really need to understand the history and the implications of current policy and the potential for change. And it helped change, you know, the social media revolution really helped change the stigma of cannabis. Absolutely. And the people who use it. I know when I, you know, was running the High Times Instagram and, and their social media, a lot of people were still leery about putting their faces on it. And so, you know, I started to encourage patients because they're consumers, yeah. right? To just get out there yeah. and be get out there. You know, a part of it. And, that's the next layer. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's, it's super important. And that's, you know, the thing that I say with Spark the Conversation all the time. It is not illegal to have a conversation. Exactly. So start there. Start the there. The First Amendment exists for a reason. Start there. Yeah. You know, everyone has to have a starting have a point. Conversation. So what's it like? Like, what does your job entail at Berkeley Patients Group? What does it mean to even be director of 
government affairs. Like it's uh, a niche industry, I guess, right? So you're you're um, dealing with things that you know. If you worked for Nike, this position might not necessarily exist. Right. They, well, it's sort of. I'm sure Nike actually has <laughs> one because well, it, any any corporation or industry that you know wants to be able to sort of um, take part in the shaping of policy that impacts their business business is going to have somebody there just sort of keeping an eye on what's going on. Sure. You know, sort of trying to educate the lawmakers who deal with a gazillion issues. Marijuana is not their main thing. And they don't know anything about like how to run a business or what the marijuana industry is facing and their challenges. And they honestly need people who can articulate that perspective to them so that when they start to craft these laws and these regulations on every level, like local, state and federal, but not so much, I mean, federal is taking longer, but like, um, you know, you just need to be able to show them what sort of the impact and implications of these regulations will have on the businesses as they currently exist and as they continue to grow or as they will exist under the new regulations. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a lot of educating. It's a lot of educating and a lot of um, just sort of... And you educate lawmakers. Educate lawmakers. Yeah. So And you lobby for permits and different yes, types and of things like that. Yes, and then that's the second part is like... It's, it's an interesting time. I, I think sort of the nature of what I do is not exactly the nature of what like a Nike government affairs person would do because sure. it's the... Shoes the, are illegal. I mean, the, shoes aren't illegal. Right, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say the policy and the business are very intertwined and you have to just be really on top of sort of what the local regulations are if you even want to get a permit and like be a part of that whole process yeah. to even put in a permit application. So it's, it's very, um, yeah, they're, they're, they sort of go hand in hand. And just keeping an eye out on on what's going on and and what what uh, jurisdictions and municipalities are doing and where where would it be a, a good place to look into and and where wouldn't and what's what's in the pipeline. Um, what do you think some of the greatest things that are going into reform right now are? Like, is it education? Is it um, you know regulation and compliance permitting? Like. What do you think is the tipping point as is? I mean, we see 64 and we see this whole new, you know, field of opportunity. But, you know, how do you think that that's the most, um, I get, I mean, what do you think is, is next, basically, like for um, a, a government relation opportunity to help influence and create and shape new laws under 64 and MCRSA and merging, you know, your business into a model that has recreational and medicinal uh, opportunities. You guys are a dispensary, so you're a retail operation, but, you know, what are we looking at? So that part, it basically depends on the local jurisdiction. Okay. And so, and that requires, that's where the, like, local... Um, government affairing occurs mm -hmm. and just you know I, I go to these uh, Berkeley Medical Cannabis Commission meetings every month and there's sort of a, a appointed group of individuals that uh, create proposals and suggested ordinances and model language for the city council to consider on different aspects of the industry mm -hmm. and on the commercial operations so you know keeping on track of that and seeing sort of where they are kind of determines where everything is. I mean, sometimes the city council will just pop a random thing or two in that they want to do. And sometimes you know and sometimes you don't. 
but that's local politics, you know. It's it's in it's a different local politics versus state politics versus federal politics. They're so, is so different. different. It's so different. And in DC, I was very much on the sort of like federal state. Sure. I wasn't local. I was not involved in and in DC and surrounding areas, you you know, the local politicking only is important in places that are what are called home rule states versus mm -hmm. Dillon rule states. And home rule states, the localities can basically create their own rules and laws where, you know, you'll have one city sort of deprioritizing or decriminalizing marijuana or not arresting you where, where another one won't be. And they can get, just have all of their ballot initiatives and all kinds of stuff like that. And in Virginia and a lot of other places, they're mostly Western states that have that option, mm -hmm. but not all. I mean, there's Massachusetts has it, a couple of Florida has it, but in Dillon rule states, you um, don't really, the localities have to go with what the state law says. There's not local control. I, I tried and like in, of course, the county I lived in in Virginia, I was like, I'm gonna try to decriminalize it yeah. over here. <laughs> Let's of course start with Arlington. Did. You're the badass that way, I so, love that. Arlington, you just decided to take on legalization. Yeah, I was like, why not? It'll be a pet project. I love that. Well, in but Arlington, then I, Virginia. I met with the county board, the head of the county board, who I went to high school with his kids. So we like kind of knew each other, but you know, I really sat down and talked to him and he said, you know, no, Dylan rule was like every other word. He was like, we can't, which is actually not entirely true. I started really researching it and realized that there were places there's right now, Charlottesville tried to do it a long time ago. Well, a couple years ago and it was weird, but now it, it sounds like Newport news and Norfolk and Virginia beach area have done it. Wow. And it's, it really isn't actually have to be a law, but it can just be sort of like a policy based on like the police chief or the city attorney can just say this is your lowest priority we're not gonna uh, prosecute these cases there's different sort of that's the only like legal like explicit way but then you have like when you're determining how to prioritize enforcement sure. of society yeah, yeah that falls to the bottom and you put that where earlier it didn't it's crazy because I don't think most of the consumers know what goes on to get uh, product to them. <laughs> Seriously, right? I, you know? I do too. And it really, like, I always tell people marijuana didn't legalize itself. Me too. <laughs> I have so many parallels. That's, you know, one of the reasons why I love you. Not that I love myself, but it's good to find people who have like-minded visions because not everyone thinks that way. Mm -hmm. You know, people are like, oh, weed is legal. And I'm like, but, you know. There was, this is, it's legal on the backs of mm -hmm. so many people who put in so much blood, sweat, and tears and risk so much. And so much. What do you think um, the you know regular everyday consumer can do really to be more advocates? I know you mentioned you know online opportunities to share um, information, which I always encourage, and that's one of the things that why we created Spark the Conversation is mm -hmm. to do just that. Yeah, have people you know get online and share information with their family and friends, and I always say it's not illegal to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. But how else can people be active either locally? Um, statewide or federally because we need more support. I mean, I would say one thing off the top and, and I try to always encourage people is to donate Absolutely. to organizations that are leading the change. But, mm -hmm. you know, is there anything else that you would add to other than yeah. donating and, and getting on, on Facebook? Like, right. what are actual actions that people could do? And I understand, you know, donating, especially for a majority of just like the public, it's hard. Like, you know, people are on budgets and, you know, they have... They're, the thing I identify with like this cause versus maybe other more corporatized causes is that like we may not have a lot of financial resources, 
but there is a lot of human resources. And it's the human resources that are, you know, sometimes worth more than the financial resources. And if, if the people can't do that, can't donate the money, then they can contact their local governor's government office, like their local county commissioner or their um, representative, their state representative on a local level or on a federal level and meet with them and, and really talk to them about why and, it's and if there's and if what do they talk to them about though when they get there like or they make well, the contact what do they I mean because everyone has know. a different reason for the most part as to why they think it should be illegal and, or legal excuse yeah me. And, well that uh, too well that too absolutely <laughs> that too but it's you know I think the way you talk to them is what you feel most passionately about because that comes across um, the most authentic the most authentic way yeah it's so true and so if it's for medicine and you just want access to medicine if you know then that's your angle if if you or someone you love got caught up in the criminal justice system then that's your angle yeah you know there's so many reasons marijuana should be illegal and so many reasons it's like current illegal status like fucks up society yeah. that you can really there's a, there's a whole menu of things that you can go from and if you had to pick go with the one that's your most passionate about and get educated on it. Yeah. And especially also follow like what's going on in your local government in terms of marijuana, because there might be something in the pipeline. You know, if they are having hearings and they all have to have public hearings when these laws are being created and, you know, well, I'm not, I don't do sort of the national stuff anymore, but if there are places that are looking to make it stricter or change certain policies that are working or more progressive, then, you know, know when those public hearings are and show up to them and speak at them because that's, you know, write letters to them, do all of that. I mean, they need to see, we would turn out, you would just have to get a huge turnout to all of these things so that they know that there's people that are watching, their constituents are there, they're paying attention, they know what they're doing, and it's, you know, you you don't always win, but you certainly make a statement, and the, the lawmakers and elected officials have no choice but to recognize your there, your existence, and the fact that you could potentially affect their position. Yeah, it is important that we fight for our, um, civil liberties. Yeah, you know, I just I I really enjoy uh, this narrative that we're talking about because I I rarely hear people talking about this anymore. You know, drug yeah. policy reform has kind of been slid under the rug with legalization and. Um, you know, the new opportunities mm -hmm. coming about. And it's, we're still, the drug war is still far from over. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people don't understand the small, um, you know, different nuances of difficulties that businesses go through. Um, you know, what's next for Berkeley Patients Group? Um, and, you know, why Berkeley Patients Group? Like, what is it about that particular, um, you know, retail outlet that drew you in and, and you know, what are your guys' plans for 2017? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a lot of questions. I know. Well, I would say, you know, when it was coming to the point where I was, well, how do I say this? I was deciding what direction to go in in my life. And I was living in Colorado and, and becoming very familiar with the industry and, and somewhat disillusioned with the industry. Um, I really was not a huge fan of how I saw things unfolding and decided that I really needed, you know, if I was going to be somewhere and stay in the industry, it had to be somewhere that I knew was actually passionate about drug reform and the cause and really had deep roots in that whole movement. Mm. And that was the only way I would stay. 
And I was very familiar with Berkeley Patients Group because they have been sponsors of normal conferences forever. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, they've like single-handedly like started nonprofit groups, kept them afloat. I mean, just had probably one of the groups that's had the biggest impact mm. on, on sustaining these organizations. And so they're, they're, that ethos that I knew existed with that organization was something that I could believe in and work for. And so that's why I was interested in really, it was going to be Berkeley Patients Group or I was going to find another cause. But yeah, really, I do think that, you know, it was an interesting transition going from the movement activist world to the industry world. And this is, you know, this, I don't think is as like industry as others are just because they, there's, they have those deep, deep roots in the movement. Yeah. They come from the movement. So that's part of the philosophy. But, um, you know, just really coming to the understanding that the whole like evolution and creation of these regulations and these new policies of how you're actually going to contain and control a regulated industry is literally what the movement has been fighting for. It's just the other half of it. Mm. And you have to make sure that the regulations work so that we can prove that marijuana legalization is actually good public policy. Mm. So I think it is, it's almost equally important to make sure that we do it right because we've been fighting to do it, but now we have to make sure we do it right. And so that's how I feel like I'm, I'm contributing to the movement through what I do in that capacity to, in ensuring that, you know, the industry and the movement and the, the space is uh, sustainable and um, will be able to withstand the scrutiny that may or may not come. And being able to just show that, you know, cannabis businesses can have a positive impact on society and the sky's not going to fall and, you know. And the sky's not going to fall. Ever, yeah. Well, Sabrina, the industry and the community is lucky to have you. You are a pioneer and uh, all of your contributions have, you know, been really, really, really great to, to seeing this whole, uh, you know, concept that, you know, we can be conscious cannabis consumers. We can be, you know, articulate and um, have the opportunity to not only advocate, but put that advocacy into the business models of businesses that either already exist or are coming into the industry. And that's really important. And you do it very well and very gracefully. So I'm not only glad to know you, I'm glad that you came on the podcast mm. today. Let our audience kind of know where they might be able to find you information about, um, Berkeley Patients Group. Um, well, thank you very much. It's an honor to be on the show Aww. and thank you for what you're doing because I think it's very important too. Thanks. Yeah. Well, okay. So you can find me online, okay. social media. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, Sabrina Fendrick. I don't know what my actual... Instagram handler is. Well, my Instagram handler is Sib Sabrina, but it's not, I mean, let's just be honest. I'm not really on there all that much. So, I mean, you, you're more than welcome to follow me. Yeah. <laughs> but Berkeley Patients. I'll try to do better. Okay. Berkeley Patients Group is uh, mybpg.com. Great. So it's all that like hashtags and, and um, codes are mybpg. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sabrina, for yeah. joining us at the Emerald Cup live. Literally, I mean, we are 
in this awesome space doing the awards are happening the awards right now awards are happening right now yeah. um and it's exciting yeah. uh, sparking the conversation for our awesome media partners gondrepreneur.com thank you again sabrina from berkeley patients group thank you so much for having me Spark the Conversation is really excited to do this partnership with Gondrepreneur.com creating these podcasts. Um, it's a resource for cannabis professionals, advocates, patients, business owners, um, anyone really who's in favor of responsible growth. So visit Gondrepreneur.com for daily cannabis news, uh, career openings, company profiles, and of course, you know, more episodes of this podcast. Um, we're thankful to them and the partnership that we have with them. And we appreciate the fact that they spark the conversation and help entrepreneurs grow. All I want you to do is spark the conversation.